most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What is up, y'all? Welcome to the Fantasy Flex Podcast. I am Samantha Verbiti, a fantasy analyst here at the Action Network. We would absolutely love it if you could take the time to rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts because we will be calling out our favorite five-star reviews right here on the show. Every reviewer we call out will receive a free Action Pro account for one year, a full year. So be sure to leave those awesome Apple Podcast reviews and keep listening to hear us shout you out. So today, I am so lucky to be joined by the one and only Daniel Dopp, host of the fantasy show on ESPN, producer and co-host of the infamous Fantasy Focus podcast. Uh, He is here with me today to talk about everyone's favorite position, which is running backs. But before we jump into that, Daniel, how are you? Samantha, I'm good. How are you? I'm so stoked that you're here. Uh, I Me mean, I, I'm so glad that we could get like time on your dance card. Uh, oh, I know it's off season, but still like it's it's an honor. So time on my dance card. If I <laughs> if I see your Instagram correctly, like you wake up with your skis already on just ready to hit the mountains. Am I wrong? Like your dance yeah, card, I think, is the one that's full. Yeah, pretty much. I'm just like growing skis out of my. Yes. Right? That's yeah. a new evolutionary thing. Yeah, I'm pretty much. I've, I've become a whole like mountain woman out here. It's it's very fun. You should you should make it out here if you would ever like to I, ski or learn how to ski. I don't even know. Dude, do you ski? I don't ski, but I snowboard. Um, okay, I've been snowboarding sick. for a while. I, growing up in Michigan, I have been accustomed to some snow, but Michigan uh, mountains are not Colorado mountains. I will tell you that much. So I don't know. As long as you have like little baby hills, I could go with you. But like, I don't think I can hang with a lot of the stuff that I see on your uh, on your IG. <laughs> been a really cool off season to just get to like hike and enjoy stuff what is it that you are up to during the off season um you know what i am enjoying being outside i have i have really loved uh being able to get to hang out with people again i'm having like relationship and community and it is like refilling my tank in a major way uh so i've been doing honestly like just trying to find people to be able to spend time with and hanging out with people. I go bowling a lot. Mike Clay, uh, my buddy, Damian Dabrowski, who was the original Statipiller on the fantasy show. Uh, and David Presley, who was one of our video producers on fantasy focus. We do bowling every week. So like every, every Wednesday, we're going to go bowling actually when I get done with this podcast. That's awesome. So yeah, we try to like, I've been trying really hard and I know a lot of the other people here too, just coming out of, of the whole COVID era when everything was on such a lockdown. And especially being grownups, I don't have to say this, hopefully to most people, but like, it's a lot harder to really like have relationships and make friends and do stuff when you are a real grown up and when you're not like in high school. So we have all been actively like, we love each other. I love the people I get to work with, which is great. Um, And so like, we've just been hanging out, going to minor league baseball games and doing bowling adventures and enjoying the outdoor life before it gets too hot. It hasn't gotten 90 degrees yet. Once that happens, then then I'm out. That is awesome. And uh, let us jump right in. Been going through the prospects one by one as they were drafted. We're looking at, you know, the rounds two to four type guys. And we're going to look at sort of their general player evaluation, who you think they 
compare to landing spot grade, what we think they're going to be like for fantasy for this season, and then look at their ADP. So Brees Hall, do the JETS get an automatic F in your book? They don't. They don't. I don't want to just, I don't want to go straight there. In all honesty, Brees Hall is a B. That landing spot's a B for me. Um, Could have been better. Could have been worse. Uh, I don't love the fact that Michael Carter is already there. I was hoping he was going to go to a team that maybe didn't have somebody that had, they had already invested in. Uh, was, Carter was a second round pick last year. And that offense is not necessarily explosive. I think is ne- like probably the word that I would use. Um, yeah. I think I, they I think were. That's, oh, that's a little bit of an understatement, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they were, if I'm not mistaken, the jets were last in rushing attempts in the NFL last year. Yes. And they already have for rushing attempts per a game last season. Per game. They already had that pulled. Awesome. So you tell me that like the number one running back in this draft goes to the team that ran the ball the fewest amount of times and already has a guy that's a good pass catcher in Michael Carter. Like the long-term possibility of he's still Brees Hall. I still think he's he's a really good running back. We'll get into him. Um, but it could be better than what it is, which is why it's only a B. I actually think there's a lot stacked up against him, but because of the talent of who he is, I think he's going to be able to, to still see a lot of value here. Yeah, I'm going to go with B minus. Uh, pretty much on the same page there. It's like, I think he's a wildly talented prospect, but there's so much in the situation that's working against him. Uh, I mean, he gets a slightly better grade than I would give like Garrett Wilson, just because I think he's going to be sort of less impacted than by subpar QB play if we really think sure. that what we saw from Zach Wilson is reflective of what he is as a quarterback. Um, but as you mentioned, yeah, I mean, like they're not putting themselves in game scripts that really favor the run a lot. So uh, toss that in with the fact that I think Michael Carter is a very talented running back. I don't think he's necessarily a three down back, but this feels like it's going to be like a committee in a, within a team that has a very low number of rushing attempts to go around in the first place. Yep. So uh, it certainly hurt to see him go there. I was personally holding out that he would maybe like go to the bills or something like that. Oh. Another, like an RB needy team. And we'll, we'll get to the bills, but like surely that would have been a way better spot in my opinion. I, I am a hundred percent with you, especially with all the things that he does. And that's part of the frustration, you know, not that like Devin Singletary wouldn't have still been there if he was in Buffalo, but, Sure. Even with, with Michael Carter, I mean, he's, he's a dude that ran for almost 4,000 yards at Iowa State. Definitely caught the ball. Um, you know, he's, I think he averaged, he, like he had between 25 and 30 catches, averaged between 25 and 30 catches a year in his three years there. Um, I think he had 80 some catches. And so when you look at everything that he does, like he's a, he is a really talented running back that in this offense, like you said, um, I think my biggest fear is going to be that game script. Because it's not just the lack of rushing, but it's the fact that if we don't expect the Jets to be good and or we don't know what to expect from Zach Wilson in his second year, if we're playing from behind, you're having guys that are out there and you're playing catch up. And when you're playing catch up, it it feels like it could be a lot like last year, not running the ball very often. So unless they're using him as a pass catcher specifically in a lot of those games, I'm just my only fear is the volume uh, based on how that team works out. But man, the dude is quick. You ran a, under a 4-4 at the Combine. And so I, I really think that as a player, he really projects out really well as a, an NFL running back and somebody that within fantasy still has a ton of value. But a lot of question marks just because of the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Well, let us just dive into that uh, as him as a player, because obviously, like even though 
this wide receiver class is what, you know, was, I guess, the most exciting position for fantasy. Uh, Reese Hall was really probably the most talked about player going into this draft for at least within our bubble of fantasy. Yes. Yep. <laughs> so in your opinion, does that hype match the talent? I think so. Um, I think he's a really talented running back. You saw it at what he did at, at Iowa State. I think a lot of what he can be here in the NFL is going to be dependent upon the Jets and that offense. What does Zach Wilson look like? You know, I, this is one of those things where a running back, a good running back that's on a bad team, you can still have a lot of upside, but that ceiling is just going to be capped. And without them being able to take advantage of the Elijah Moore and the Zach Wilson that they have, being able, you know, they still have Corey Davis, who as a veteran, um, not somebody that I love in fantasy, but as an NFL player, I really like him. Like they have a lot of options to be able to be an okay team this year and to take those next steps. But there's just, I got to see it from Zach Wilson. And that's so much of what I feel like of, of Brees Hall's talent and who he is, is going to hinge upon how Zach Wilson is able to run that offense. Yeah, absolutely. I, I look back at the combine and think about the hype that he sort of generated sub 4440, massive 40 inch vertical jump. I mean, do you think that we maybe weight those a little too much when we're evaluating prospects? Um, I don't want to say weight it too much, but like I, I do love being able to see 40 times are an interesting thing to me. And we'll talk about them more because there's a couple of running backs here that actually had pretty poor 40 times mm-hmm. um, and how they might, you know, compare to some of the other players that recently played in the NFL. But I like I like Brees Hall at his size, at the speed that he runs. I, it's a factor that you take into the conversation. It is not an end all be all. Um, I hate to, you know, I, I don't want to be a, a Raiders of old organization that just sees speed and is like, yep, that's the guy that we're going to take. But I think that Brees Hall with his size, I also think, he, you know, he projects well to a full size workload. He could be a guy that could handle a three down workload here. If you're looking at other NFL running backs. Um, to be able to compare him to, like, I think he fits in with a three down workload, you know, potential in the NFL. I agree with that. I I mean, he is three inches taller than Michael Carter, who Mm -hmm. I think is that is part of the reason that he's just maybe not built for that durability and three down back role. I feel like I see Carter shifting more into that third down role, but you know, Brees Hall's also a really, really talented pass catcher. So I don't know how that'll all shake out. I mean, I think they'll, if they're smart, they'll use him in both roles, but mm-hmm. we'll see. Um, so name a player, Karna retired, who comes to mind when you think of Hall. Ooh. Okay. So player comparisons are not my favorite because it's so hard to compare people, but I will say this just as my, as Daniel's caveat, there are aspects to certain players games that I feel like fit some of these guys. Absolutely. I think that when I look at Brees Hall, I see a, a little bit of a Zeke or a Leonard Fournette, a guy who has the ability to be a three down running back with good speed, good hands and can catch out of the backfield. I think we have to see him, uh, you know, be able to continue to develop, but he's a guy that I think has that, that three down ability uh, and kind of has that, you know, a little bit of a, he's got a little bit of shiftiness to him. Um, he's not quite as obviously the, the problem is like Leonard Fournette's, 200 and well, I don't know what he is now, 240 pounds, 235 pounds. So, I mean, he's kind of back to fat Lenny right now. A little bit. According to training camp. Yeah. Reports. I don't know. I don't, I'm not here to fat shame, but as me, me, none of us are, but as, as much as 
uh, as much as I can compare him to Leonard Fournette, who is just so much bigger, I think that they have similar skill sets with within certain aspects of their game. Yeah, absolutely. And I know player comps are kind of lame, like, but at the same time, it gives, I think, people that don't watch tape and yeah. don't see a ton, like maybe haven't been studying these guys a ton, just a rough idea of what we're working with as a type of player. So uh, I came up with a few guys, none of them profile really closely because they're all a bit slower in terms of the 40 time. But I was thinking like Kareem Hunt, Alvin Kamara, Matt Forte, maybe even Le'Veon Bell, but Le'Veon Bell ran like a four, six. So four, six, yeah. obviously like Brees Hall is, is a guy that's a bit shiftier than those guys. But I was thinking in that I realm like of Hunt. like, mid-sized like uh pass catching running backs um that can kind of do both so yeah um they're not pigeonholed in that like jd mckissick role or anything like that but um certainly can uh have, have that versatility yeah yeah i'm with you on that so uh, give me one prediction about hall's year one for fantasy so this can just be like what you think their <clears throat> upside is their median outcome is whatever you want uh Brees hall will definitively be a top 20 fantasy running back I like yeah. that. So I actually think his upside is in that like realm. Like I said, high on RB2 upside. Um, I mean, I, it's just maybe just how I feel about the Jets. It's it's mm. just a reflection of that. So no, I, I, I mean, <laughs> the team hasn't produced exactly one 1,000 yard rusher in the last nine seasons. That's Chris Ivory 2015. Um, so, I mean, like we've been saying, I think the team will just need to find itself in significantly more positive game scripts for uh, Hall to reach that. But do I think he can reach that as a prospect just like in a vacuum? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am. So, I do think oh, that sorry, is more ceiling. That's okay. I do think that is more ceiling than floor. Like I'm, I fully share. We have, we fully share the concerns about the jets from that aspect. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so are you buying or selling hall at his current ADP of RB 27? This is according to fantasy pros, ADP and half PPR. I am buying it. I am buying it because I, if I can get him as my either low end RB two and, or, you know, like a flex running back for me, you know, one of my first running backs, I think the upside it's the range of outcomes. You have, you know, I have no idea. Um, but if you tell me that he was going to score, you know, 10 double digit touchdowns, cause I don't think Michael Carter is going to be that guy, but if he scored 10 touchdowns and had a thousand yards and also caught 30 passes for, you know, 250 yards, like that's a, He's a guy that you can start every week. He's not going to be a, an RB1, but he's a guy that will give you fantasy contribution week in and week out, regardless of, I think, where the Jets are at. Um, fingers crossed. Fair they enough. can't draft a guy and then decide they're just going to be running the ball 22 times a game. They just can't do it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely fair enough. I, I think this is an appropriate spot. Like, I would probably buy him. It, it, it's taken me a little bit of time to warm up to him to this point because I almost thought like we should be fading him because of all the hype. But sure. yeah, I mean, like this is pretty appropriate. Like late 20s is where I would start thinking about taking Holland where I would feel comfortable. But speaking of range of outcomes, the Seahawks are pretty much a mm -hmm. black box for me right now. They're up there with the Saints. I I don't know what to make of Chris Olave as, as a prospect right now. I know he's he's amazing, but like I don't know what the Saints are going to look like. So the Seahawks are kind of in a similar spot. Obviously, whole new era and coming without Russ. How do they rate for you as a landing spot for Kenneth Walker? This was really tough. This was really tough. Um, I ultimately ended up giving them a B. 
uh, or giving Kenneth Walker, Ken Walker. I was told he doesn't like Kenneth anymore. Okay. He would like, he would like to go by Fair Ken. Enough. Okay. Uh, I, he didn't say that to me directly, just for the record. I would, yeah, I just did he heard text that. you that? Or? No, 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 no. I just heard that through the internets. Um, but Chris Carson and Rashad Penny, what are you supposed to do there? You know, like, obviously, Chris Carson, we've watched him be a very, very valuable fantasy running back. We hope that everything is going to be okay with him medically long-term. Obviously, that's, like, the biggest thing, like, with the, the injuries uh, that he's dealt with. But um, if he comes back and is still the guy that he was beforehand, it's going to be tough from that standpoint. And Rashad Penny. They've been waiting for him to get healthy for his entire career. So for him to come on and look as good as he did towards the end of last year is really like really positive for them. And this pick while I like, I love Ken Walker. He's my favorite running back out of this entire class. Um, I, and I think Seattle is a great place for him if there wasn't Rashad Penny or potentially Chris Carson, but there is so much mystery shrouded around what's going to happen with those two running backs. That if, if I knew it was just him, he would be higher, a lot higher for me. But because of that, it's got to be a B and it's a B because of the long-term potential. I think, you know, you talk about two or three years down the road and I think he's going to be in a better, like him being the number one guy there, especially because hopefully in two or three years, no offense to Drew Locke or Geno Smith, but they have a better person under center and then they can take advantage of more of, of the skill position players they have. Absolutely. I, I mean, at this point in the se- in the off season, I feel like a lot of it is reading the tea leaves. Do you feel like the Seahawks drafting Car- uh, Walker could be an indication that Carson's issues are more long term, um, which would obviously free up more touches, boost his fantasy value, or do you think that that's just like they're trying to add depth to an already pretty cramped running back room? I think they're definitely. I mean, as a part of it, it it, it feels like a hedge. It almost can't be given the injury problems that they've had around their top two running backs. And so um, for them to take a, an early second round pick on a running back, I think does speak volumes. A lot of times field will talk about, you know, you just, you got to follow the money. You got to follow the draft capital. Those first couple of years, once that first contract is passed, then like that can be different when it comes to draft capital. That doesn't matter. But like for the first year or two, man, most teams, 49ers and Trey Sermon, not included. <laughs> Like really actively thinking of him. <laughs> yeah. They, they very actively try to, to make these guys work out because they want them to. And so I think even with everything that happened with Rashad Penny, um, Ken Walker, I really like where he lands here. Long-term short-term redraft. We can talk about it a little bit later, but um, I'm that part is hard for me to be able to suss out from a fantasy perspective. Yeah. So I am with you. I'm going to give them a B as well. There's just too many moving parts for me to be super optimistic about the Seahawks at this point, but there is a path. We know that Penny and Carson have had injury issues and like the probability of all three of those guys being healthy at one time, pretty low. So it feels like there will open up some touches there. And then like, maybe the team doesn't really feel comfortable leaning on Drew Locke as a passer. So Mm -hmm. um, maybe they go pretty run heavy this season. So I could see that happening for sure. Um, but you just talked about him being your favorite prospect in this class. I don't know if that's some Michigan bias, but uh, no, he was clearly a top two pick at the position. Um, drawn some criticism for his lack of usage in the passing game at Michigan State. How much does that factor into your kind of evaluation of him as a prospect? You know, it's a thing to be able to bake into the way that I look at him, but he only had a 4% target share. Michigan State just didn't use him in a pass catching role. They didn't need to. And so 
a lot of what I'm going to need to see from him in the pros and listening to them is how does he look as a pass catcher when they did utilize him? He wasn't awful. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't a bad pass catcher. They just didn't use him in that role. Um, for the record, last year, he had 1,634 rushing yards. He forced 89 missed tackles. 89 missed tackles. The dude is elusive and has the ability to like truly be something that this Seahawks team has not had. If he can stay healthy in consistency at the running back position. Um, but while they didn't utilize him in the passing game, like he won the Doak Walker award for the best running back in college football. Like he has got speed. I, I really like him a lot. I mean, the elusiveness and everything that he brings to the table. He is a guy that regardless of the lack of pass catching ability, for now, I want to pin that upon his college offensive system and not on his inability to be able to catch passes in the NFL. I agree. I mean, there are definitely some other guys I could think of maybe like Jonathan Taylor, who didn't do a ton of pass catching in college. And, you know, like yep. has that impacted his fantasy nope. abilities? <laughs> like certainly not. So, yeah, a guy that has 1600 uh, rushing yards and 18 touchdowns last year, obviously has that workhorse ability. Uh, the only marks that I feel like he may lose is his stature. He's a little bit un, uh, shorter, I think, than the ideal sort of running back height. So yep. some people say that he profiles a little bit more as that third down back, which like we just haven't seen a lot from him. So I think it's it's just something that, you know, he there will be a little bit of a learning curve going into the NFL. But I, I think he's certainly capable of it. Um, so what running back current or retired profiles closest to Walker, in your opinion? Uh, I like, while not exact, I like a lot of the Javante Williams comps that I've seen. The explosiveness, the missed tackles, the elusiveness. Um, I think that when you get to, when you look at where this, he's going to be towards the end of the season, I think it's, it has a very good chance to be comparable to what Javante Williams was. Now, Javante Williams had Melvin Gordon in front of him. He, you know, Ken Walker has Rashad Penny and Chris Carson, and this is not a shot at either one of those two guys, but with health being the concern, I could, I could see if he comes in and gets the opportunity and for a week or two is the guy and runs well, absolutely. They would be like, hey, we just can't take the kid off the field. If he's playing well, then you're just going to keep rolling with it. And I wonder if it gets to a point where as the season wears on, as injuries happen, as he potentially gets more touches within that offense, if they like what they see and he continues to be that guy, kind of like Javante Williams was down the stretch last year more valuable towards the second half of the season than the first half of the season. I could definitely see that as well. Uh, the only guy that I came up with, I, I, I love Javante Williams. I think that's a really great player comp. The only other guy that I came up with was DeAndre Swift, kind of mm -hmm. similar build by day, 212 pounds. Uh, he's a little bit slower than Walker, but similar vertical. So I, I think they have similar bursts and similar sort of, uh, skill sets. I mean, yeah, like you said, maybe Walker wasn't used that much in the passing game, but when he was, he seemed to be competent at it. So I certainly think he could profile like a Swift type of running back. Um, give I'm me, a big Swift fan, by the way. Uh, is there any bias there too? No, no, none. <laughs> Not at all. Um, all right. So give me one prediction about Walker's year one for fantasy. Ooh, um, Ken Walker will finish the season as the highest ranked fantasy running back on the Seattle Seahawks. I think that's a, that's a very fair thing to say, especially considering, you know, Rashad Penny had, you know, almost 700 yards in his final, like five games of the season. So, so he looked great. Uh, 
but yeah. but it's the same thing as the Jets because like how much it's so hard to be able to project what I think that offense is going to look like with freaking Drew Locke and and potentially Geno Smith under center. So it's you got to hedge a little bit when you're like, yeah, he's going to be a top twelve running back in that offense. Like I don't know. Yeah, what a QB competition. Scintillating, yeah. really. <laughs> it's the stuff that sells papers. Uh, all right. So do you buy or sell Walker at his current ADP of RB39? Buying. I am buying Walker because of the upside that you can get there at, at running back 39, given the injury history of the two running backs that are in front of him and what you could have as a running back down the stretch when you're looking at the fantasy playoffs. Again, that Javante Williams kind of thing. Uh, like, that is late enough that you're getting a guy that could be a difference maker for you towards the tail end of your fantasy season. Absolutely. I am absolutely in on him at RB 39. Like I think that's what 12 spots later than you're going to get Brees Hall. And honestly, yeah. in most drafts, I think significantly later. So um, certainly feel really good about that because I, I think he offers just as much upside in, in light of sort of the situations. Agreed. Um, all right. So on to James Cook. I personally love this move for the Bills. Like I said, I was kind of hoping that they would go for Hall or Walker earlier on, just selfishly for fantasy. But it's it's mutually beneficial for Cook. I think it, obviously minimal competition on the Buffalo depth chart. I, I mean, Devlin Singletary is certainly good, but like they've clearly given up on Zach Moss. And, and I think like Devin Singletary profiles is like the second guy, not the first guy. So yep. do you kind of do you pretty much agree that this is a, a ideal landing spot? Yeah, I love this. I give this an A minus for James Cook. I think he's another guy though, you know, and I hate, it sounds, I sound like a broken record and I don't mean to just like hedge with everything. Another guy that is difficult to be able to project because his college usage was just so minimal from in comparison to a lot of these other top, like when you talk about the last two guys, they were heavily utilized by both of their teams in college. Right. James Cook was just wasn't until his final year, his final year, he had 113 carries and that was the most he had in his entire career at Georgia. Like he is, you know, that's the part that I think is difficult for me to be able to, to try and figure out, but his landing spot and what this Bills team need and what it seems like his skill set is, feels like a really good fit for a Josh Allen led offense. Absolutely. I, I, I mean, to your point, yeah, he broke a thousand scrimmage yards last season in his fourth and final year at Georgia for the first time in his whole career. So yeah. I, I, he's obviously, he was in a committee with Zemir White. We'll get to him later too. But yeah, I, I, we we haven't seen him have that workhorse type role. He profiles pretty well, like 4'4", 240, 33 inch vertical jump. So he certainly has that athleticism, but, um, and yeah, the landing spot is really ideal for me. There's just not too, too much going on there. Like Josh Allen, you got to assume that he's, he takes a lot of the, the, the goal line carries away, but I think that there's going to be the volume and certainly going to be game scripts that are going to allow James Cook to have a lot of carries. So I'm excited about that. Um, but we've kind of talked a little bit about the general player evaluation, but I don't know if everyone knows this. I think everyone knows this, but Cook comes from fantasy football royalty as the brother of three-time Pro Bowl running back Dalvin Cook. Are you buying in on sort of, sort of this like connection? Like, do you think he can be as electric as Dalvin Cook and make that kind of impact for fantasy? So I don't think I would use the word as electric as Dalvin Cook only because they play differently. But I do think the other words you used. I think that he can be just as impactful, maybe not just as impactful as his brother. That's a like his ceiling really would be, I mean, Dalvin Cook's a top five running back. So, uh, but you talk about what his explosiveness is, what his elusiveness is, especially within that Bills offense and the way that they could, especially if they're, they're spreading the ball around there. 
Um, I am very much in on, on James Cook and his size. Here's the thing. This is not about like small running backs, but Devin Singletary is 5'7", 200, give or take. And James Cook is 5'11", 200. So he's, he's got a full four inches on him. Um, doesn't have as, as much, you know, the size is about the same. But I do think that he just projects as a better three down potential potential because we don't know because we didn't see enough of it a potential three down running back in the NFL. And if nothing else, a really good pass catcher for that team. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's at least a shot that, you know, he has the, the ability to, I'm a, there's a spoiler alert. I'm just going to skip to my comp. I like, he has the kind of skill set that I feel like could be like an Alvin Kamara light type of a player in this bills offense with his potential, um, you know, the ability to be able to both run and catch the pass. We haven't seen a lot out of it. You know, Alvin Kamara was also a later round pick, but the ability within this Bills offense to take advantage of the opportunities that are here, I think is, is really high for James Cook. Yeah, everyone does talk about him as that kind of pass catching threat, but it certainly feels like in that running back room, which is not super high powered. Um, it, it certainly feels like he has the opportunity to become that every down back. Um, people do talk about his size, but he's not like a tiny guy. We're, we're yeah, we're not no. talking about like a Clyde Edwards either his type size or anything like that. Um, but in terms of player comp, I'm right there with you with Alvin Kamara. That is it's certainly a guy that I chose here. Um, give me one prediction about Cook's year one for fantasy. Uh, here's a prediction. With his passing game usage, his floor is a deeper league flex play, but his ceiling, if anything happens to Devin Singletary, I think is a top 12 running back in the NFL. I love that. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a pretty wide range of outcomes. A lot of these guys, I mean, certainly as we're we're getting down here, like at this point, three running backs in, like will require a injury to someone Uh for them to be really relevant. But I do think he will be relevant on his own. Um, maybe not like a guy that you're starting every week, but certainly will have moments where you, yep. <laughs> where you're going to start him. I, I, I think, um, you know, I put him in that kind of RB three tier right now. So I yeah. think he, as with most rookies, he's going to carry more value in dynasty key performance than redraft. But, um, are you buying or selling him at his current ADP of RB 44? I am buying at 44. Yeah. I, I like, again, the upside of what he could be in this offense. Um, and knowing that they are basically just out on Zach Moss and it's him and Devin Singletary, he's going to have the opportunity to come in and really grab at least the number two position here, uh, if not be able to showcase what it is that he can do. And, and we'll see what happens from there for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think he was a solid prospect and it's just like the landing spot puts like the bow on the package. So yeah. I am buying him at RB44. Can I ask you yes. a question really quickly? If Devin Singletary were to get hurt or playing time were to become available, what do you see as his potential upside? Like he's the RB1 in Buffalo. Um, Do you see him being a top 15 guy, a top 12 guy, a top 10 guy? I could see him being definitely in that RB2 range. I'm not ready to say top 12 just because I'm just not sure that they're going to run him into the ground. Like, like, I don't know that his 
whole game and body profile is this like that guy that they're, they're going to give 300 touches to that many touches in, to in sure. one season. Um, but that said, you know, like I, I do think that there is certainly high upside and it is his first year too. So like, it, it's like, we're not, we're not totally sure what he's going to look like in this scheme. So I'm, I'm going to be a little bit more conservative and say RB two, but Fair. I like, I like that take uh, going pretty spicy into that top 12. Um, all right. We will move on to Rashad white of the Buccaneers. So this is an interesting landing spot as well, because even with Lombardi Lenny on the roster, the bucks are pretty ideal, right? Like I'm giving them an a minus. Um, what say you? So I gave this a, a, I hate to sound bland, but I gave this a B and a part of this is just because I don't know who Leonard Fournette is going to be or what he's going to be for the next two to three years with this potentially Tom Brady led offense. But as long as he's the guy there and Tom continues to trust him, like, I don't think that's going to change. And I think Rashad White would be what I, I believe this team was hoping Giovanni Bernard or Keyshawn Vaughn would have turned into or even Ronald Jones would have turned into with that number two compliment of somebody that they could trust and use a little bit more than those guys. Uh, and I think, especially from a fantasy perspective for us, like I think he has the option, especially as a pass catcher to, to be better. But Leonard Fournette is clear far and away. The guy in that offense, Brady loves him. And as long as Tom Brady loves a running back, because pass blocking is such a big thing for, for Brady, like that factors into this. So the idea of a rookie coming in and being there at least for the first year or two, um, you know, I, th- I think it, it projects just slightly lower to me because of that. I think you've just triggered everyone in the dynasty community with Vaughn. I'm uh, sorry. Well, <laughs> very painful. Just, just a guy that obviously was a third rounder, fellow third rounder in 2020, complete non-factor in the literal. game. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you that I, Fournette is going to continue to be the focal point of this run game, obviously coming off of a banner year, uh, almost 1,300 all-purpose yards, 10 touchdowns. Lost Ronald Jones, though. I think that there's room on this depth chart. Depth chart. I thought that going into the draft, like they just they did need to add depth there. Like mm-hmm. maybe Lenny's the guy right now, but I, I I feel like there has to be someone else too. And to your point about blocking, um, I, I know there have been certain reports that have said that he's not maybe the best blocker, and that could limit his just field time in general. Like if, if they don't feel comfortable with his blocking, he's not going to be out there. So um, that, that makes me a little concerned, but in terms of the landing spot, I think it's pretty good. All things considered, he's not entering a situation where there's like five mediocre guys or whatever. So. No. Um, and in, heaven forbid he, he lands up on a Tom Brady led, like really high scoring <laughs> offense. You know what I mean? Like it could be worse. Hey, and there will be targets to go around now that Rob Gronkowski is gone. And oh, that's right. Yeah. Brown and just like, you know, like, I, I feel like there's potential here, but um, certainly he has to he has to show it and make that rapport with Brady because he's a type of guy that you need to have that connection like Leonard Fordat has with him. And that could take time. Um, but in terms of your general player evaluation of him, he's he's very athletic, um, has the build to make it in this league. Do you do you make anything of him being 23? I mean, I know that's ancient, right? But uh, probably, we have to also take into account there's like a COVID year or two that's impacted that's people's ages here. So I, I don't want to I don't want to make it into anything more than it has to be, right? No, I, but I, I, that's a thing when you're factoring that in and you realize that like normally a kid that you would take 
is going to be a year younger than this, but like with the year that we had, it didn't, it didn't necessarily work out that way. So it doesn't make me nervous. Um, it all depends upon, I think the coaching staff that he's going to have. And I, I wrote here, it's underlined really good body. I don't know if I can say that, but I just, I really like, he does, he has an NFL ready body yes. um, coming in. I, I, I really like that about him. And so if he can improve the pass blocking based on what the reports are, um, I think he has a really good chance to be super useful, almost 1500 total yards uh, and 16 touchdowns in 11 games in his final year in college. So he was you know, averaging over a hundred yards and a touchdown, total yards and a touchdown every single game, four, four, eight, 40. Um, and so he's got enough speed to be able to, you know, do some damage. I do like him in that offense, but it's, uh, I'm interested to see what happens with Giovanni Bernard, because he has been a very competent backup running back, especially as a pass catcher and a pass blocker. That is what he is known for. So if, if as a part of this, Rashad White can like learn from those guys and, and step up, like, I think he could be, be useful, but a little less fantasy value in this first year or two, in my opinion. Yeah, he seems more like an insurance policy at this point but for Leonard Fournette managers versus a guy that's going to have immediate standalone value. But I certainly think his role could grow as the season progresses. Um, but to your point, I mean, he is the largest prospect that we have spoken about today, six foot two fourteen, and at that size, still running a four four eight forty. So certainly an athletic, physical specimen. Um, what running back comes to mind when you think of him? Um, I don't think I have one. If I'm honest, I was looking through trying to find the right thing, uh, to be able to compare him to, cause there were, so I have, I have a bunch of notes up and I, I was have a going couple, through. and I'm going to ask you if you like either of them. You can All right. Them. Bring I, it. My feelings won't be hurt, but, uh, I have Melvin Gordon and Jamal Williams, both in that six foot two, 15 to 12 range, uh, maybe a little slower, but similar 40 sort of times. So that's, that's sort of like where my brain was going. Um, yeah, I, mean, I like certainly I like that Jamal physical Williams. build of, of, of those type guys. Yeah. I, I, um, being on fantasy pros right here, I do think it's really interesting to say his 16% target share is absolutely bonkers for running back at the college level. Like he was a, just an unbelievable pass catcher. Yeah. Um, so, so we'll see how that translates. Take that like Jamal Williams type role that we've seen him have in previous years. Um, so yeah, give me one prediction. We, I, I mean, yeah, we kind of already spoiled this, but give me a prediction about why it's year one for fantasy. Obviously, um, not super rosy on him at this point. No, but that's all right. I think even so, like he is the my prediction would be he's the number two running back in Tampa from a fantasy standpoint, if that's what you're you're looking at. And I think that if you wanted to have an insurance back to Leonard Fournette. He's the clear guy that I would grab because of the upside. Giovanni Bernard isn't going to just step in and be a three down back. Um, and Keyshawn Vaughn, dot, dot, dot. Fournette is 27 and under a short contract right now. So, um, you know, it, it could definitely happen. But for this year, I'm not super high on him. So are you buying or selling him at his current ADP of RB53? Yeah. I mean, honestly, at this point, right, running back 53 is so late. I would yeah. take most of these guys just based on potential upside of if the right thing happens here. Rashad White, running back 53. You tell me that in week eight, Leonard Fournette gets hurt and is going to miss six games. You know, I, obviously he immediately becomes worth it. And I know you already said this. A lot of these guys we're talking about, you're looking for that path to be able to get onto the field. And that would either happen usually at that point, you know, through injuries or something like that. But um, 
I like I I think I would buy him, but like I can't ever imagine a week where I am starting him unless until I start to see it. Uh, but then something happens to Leonard Fournette. You now have the number one running back again in a Tom Brady led offense that's going to potentially score, you know, 50 plus passing touchdowns again this year. So there's at least value. All right. Um, my last question to you is, can you give me your top three for redraft? Not as exciting as it has been for other positions, but uh, I assume I know your top two. Yeah. So top two for redraft. First one is Brees Hall. The second one is Ken Walker. And the third one is very definitely going to be James Cook. I like that. Yeah. I'm going to go Hall Walker Cook for redraft. Um, that's pretty firm. And then I feel like it's pretty much the same, but I could make an argument for white just because I I don't know how long Leonard Fournette's going to be around. So I I could see that being good. I could also see white being Keyshawn Vaughn 2.0. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of outcomes here, but um, all right. That will do it for this absolute unit of uh, rookie running backs. Daniel, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to join us on the show today. Please let us know where everyone can find you this off season and beyond us if they don't already know. Uh, yeah. So you can find me at Daniel Dopp on Twitter, on Instagram. I am at something to break and you can see me on ESPN doing some stuff with, uh, like you said earlier, the fantasy show with Matthew Barry. We're planning another episode coming out here, uh, in a couple of weeks. And then the fantasy focus football podcast with Matthew Fields, Stefania, Mike Clay. Uh, we have a ton of fun. We're doing that every Monday right now, um, until we get to August 2nd. So we are live every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern on YouTube, Twitter, the ESPN app, ESPN's Fantasy Facebook, and you can listen to us wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, So yeah, that's where you can find me. And Sam, I just want to say, I know I said this before the show, I'm so stoked to be able to do this. We've been friends for a long time. We met at a fantasy focus show a long time ago when you DM'd Matthew about being able to come because (laughs) your boyfriend at the time wasn't going to go to a fantasy show with you. And so you're like, yo, I don't have anyone to go with. And, and we ended up becoming buddies like you, me, Matthew, Stefania. And I have been so stoked to watch you grow and get so good and, and see what you have become within this industry and being able to like have your own show and be a guest on your own show now, man. I'm so proud of you and so stoked to be able to do this and, and uh, have you as a colleague in our industry. That was such a fun experience. It was like, oh so my gosh, because I like ended up having Matthew do my like waivers for my IDP league that night at dude. The, and Stefania took a show select. like what a, weird, yeah. what a weird night, but it was so much fun. I'm so glad that we are friends. Thank you so much again for coming on. Um, don't forget to rate and review our podcast for a chance to win a free pro account. And we will see you next time on the Fantasy Flex. Peace out, y'all.